she starts yelling for help, puts me on the uh, the floor, and we were on a cruise ship at the time. So there happened to be a nurse on vacation in the pool. Uh, so my mom starts uh, doing CPR on me. Welcome to Finish Line Canines, a podcast with amazing life stories from first responders and veterans, all of which include a dog, helping them overcome unique obstacles and challenges in their lives. Today, I interview my co-host, Nick, who was an active 26-year-old police officer enjoying a quiet vacation when he suddenly suffered a cardiac arrest. Nick has had to overcome many obstacles in the aftermath, but has since received help from his attentive and athletic service dog, Freddie. So without further ado, the first episode of Finish Line Canines. So I became a police officer at, um, I was officially sworn in at 23 years old. Um, I had a couple of years before that as an intern and, and kind of working with the police department. Um, but I was officially sworn in as, as an officer at, uh, at 23. Um, I initially went probably the smarter route and I went to um, EMT medical training school, got medically cert- uh, nationally certified as an EMT and then fire academy. got certified as a firefighter and was going to go down that route. And I didn't because at the time at, uh, I was probably 21 at that time. It wasn't exciting to sit inside a fire department and wait for a call to come out. Uh, and just kind of sit in a lazy boy and uh, believe me, this is a knock. I'm very jealous of firefighters. Uh, They, uh, it it wasn't so exciting to me to sit around and wait. I wanted to be more fast paced. I wanted to be more moving around and doing stuff and getting into which kind of, leads into my whole story about why I'm doing what I'm doing now. But um, so I, I kind of dropped it and I said, yeah, whatever, I'll go to the police academy and try this thing instead. So I went to the police academy, got through that, got hired, um, ended up doing, I was lucky to do a lot of different things in the police department from, um, you know, a, a traffic cop and doing DUI enforcement to driving unmarked Camaros and, and neat police cars that people like to, I worked undercover as a narcotics detective for years. I worked with DEA out of Tampa. I was on a SWAT team for um, about 12 years. I was a sniper for the last six. Uh, supervisor for a while. The Marine unit running our boat. Worked on anti-crime and street crimes unit. So I, I, I kind of got to do a lot of different things. Uh, the cardiac arrest was three years into it, two and a half, three years into it. So I was 26 years old. And without any warning or, or knowing any prior indicators or any issues, um, I was sitting at a table with my mom. We were on vacation. Uh, I had family with me, but I was sitting at a table talking to my mom just like this. And I'll never forget eating chocolate-covered strawberries because now I'm subconsciously terrified to eat chocolate-covered strawberries, even though they had absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with it. (laughs) But but that's the last memory I have is eating chocolate-covered strawberries before uh, I I essentially died. So I, I can't get over it. I never have. I probably never will. Uh, but we were sitting having a conversation like this. Um, and everything I tell you, just keep in mind, is from what other people told me. I have no recollection of this. I have no memory of anything that happened whatsoever other than leading right up to it. So this is all from my mom telling me what happened at the time. <clears throat> and then doctors and other people. As, as She said I stopped talking in an unnatural place. So mid-sense or mid-word or something like that. It, it's not somewhere you would stop. So, you know, she's like, hello, Nick. And no response, obviously. So she uh, gets up and takes my glasses off. I, you know, I had sunglasses on sitting outside. So she takes my glasses off and so my eyes roll back in my head, completely roll back. And then within 
according to her seconds, uh, I started immediately losing color and turning gray and blue, which is absolutely what happens when somebody goes into cardiac arrest. Right? Very quickly, you, you flush, you lose all your blood perfusion through your body and you start losing color immediately. So she said, I'm, uh, you know, starting with my lips, um, they immediately turn blue. Obviously, she knows there's a problem. So she starts yelling for help, puts me on the uh, the floor and we were on a cruise ship at the time. So there happened to be a nurse on vacation in the pool. Uh, so my mom starts uh, doing CPR on me. She she had um, daycares and nurseries was uh, one of the things she ran um, as she kind of went along. So she had, you know, basic basic medical training for CPR and, and like a lot of people do. So she started doing CPR on me. <clears throat> And this nurse uh, that was in the pool, thankfully, got out, came over and started helping her, taking over whatever the case was as a, as a trained medical professional. And, um, you know, while this was going on, they were calling medical, the actual medical staff from the boat, uh, which surprisingly, and I, I didn't know until then, includes all the way up to a doctor. You know, there's a doctor on these cruise ships for medical care. Um, and I didn't realize that until this time, but uh, it was it was absolutely instrumental <laughs> in saving my life. Uh, so the, they, they work on me for a while. The medical staff from the ship comes up and gets to me after however many minutes. Um, so I was on the top or up by the top in the pool deck. The medical is in the very bottom. Of course, I couldn't be farther away. So when they get there, they start doing their workup for cardiac arrest. They end up defibrillating me seven times, uh, you know, the, the paddle shocks. And, um, I was out. Uh, unconscious and not breathing and then solely being um, kind of going on by CPR, by, you know, manual CPR by the various people for about 18 minutes. And uh, after about 18 minutes, they were able to get me back. Uh, they transported me down to the, the ship's medical center. Uh, I, I think they lost uh, a pulse again somewhere in there and then and, and, uh, defibrillated and shocked me again. <clears throat> got me back, obviously, and um, you know we went from there for for immediate care. We, uh, I, I was unconscious, so I didn't wake up to preface it. I, I remember a few minutes before the cardiac arrest happened, and the first memory I have is 17 hours later in a hospital. I don't remember anything in the meantime. Uh, so in the meantime, what happened is we were coming back from Mexico toward toward the states, and uh, we were close to Florida, so the the ship's captain turned the, the cruise ship towards Florida to, to go closer to Miami and Miami fire rescue sent their fire boat out with their medics and firefighters to get me from the ship. So they took me off the ship uh, through the, the lower side doors, whatever they're called <clears throat> and transported me back, basically ambulance via water. Right. So they, they wanted to fly me. They said the cardiac issues um, that I've since learned now, cardiac issues, I was too unstable to fly uh, because of the pressure changes in a helicopter. So they put me on the boat and they took me back to Florida that way. Um, and they transferred me to a, a hospital in Miami. And things kind of went from there. So the show the show comes in because uh, kind of like the cops reality show where they ride along with different officers around the world and kind of film their day-to-day -day stuff. There's a show called Danger Coast that was filming at the time that does the same thing with fire departments. And they were riding with the fire department that day. So they um, filmed essentially everything from the fire department getting the call and going out to the ship to getting me back so it, it shows me coming off the ship and my you know completely unconscious not knowing what's going on around me state and uh you know some medical treatment by them and the doctor on the ship the uh 
the doctor on the ship ended up going back to the hospital, coming off the cruise ship and going to the hospital because um, in, in their explanation of it, they said that I wasn't stable enough to be transported. So the doctor brought a, a big bag of medical supplies and, and kit and went with me to continue treatment until I got turned over to another doctor at the hospital. And they did various tests and they ended up implanting a pacemaker and um, internal defibrillator in my chest uh, that I still have to this day. So that's That was kind of the treatment plan because they couldn't diagnose what happened to me exactly or why I had this cardiac arrest at 26 years old um, in the gym six days a week, active cop, I'm a SWAT team guy. Um, all I care about is working out and fitness at the time. And so um, but nobody could really understand most importantly me why this happened uh, so they said well you had an electrical disorder deficiency in your heart that caused an arrhythmia and cardiac arrest so we'll put this in and hopefully this controls it and that's kind of where it's been since and nobody's been able to diagnose exactly what happened or why it happened which isn't uncommon um, a, a lot of doctors and, and medical uh, or people in the medical field will tell you that you know a lot of times they can't die outside of a blockage or something obvious in, a, in an artery. A lot of times they can't tell you what happens to cause a cardiac arrest. Um, if, if you follow sports at all, that that's Mir Hamilton, I think that was his name, uh, several months ago, collapsed in the middle of a football game uh, for the same thing, and he's a young guy in his twenties, and he just collapsed in cardiac arrest, and they said, so I I don't know what happened, um, but it happens. <laughs> I've worn a heart rate monitor 24-7 since this happened in some form of either a watch or a chest strap or something. And, you know, if I'm watching TV and my, I look down, not feeling good, my heart rate's 105. That's not normal. So what's going on? And my mind immediately goes into overdrive and overthinking. And I spin up into a panic attack or not not into a panic attack, but I'm, I start to go the way that will be a panic attack if you, if you don't stop it, um, if you don't control it, you know, uh, which we'll get into but that's a big uh, that's a big part of why i ended up with freddie and, and why one of the things i use him for the most out of, out of what he's trained to do is is to calm down snap me out of it um interrupt what's going on because like i said it, it's totally fine and it's just a little high heart rate It'll be okay if i just relax i'll be fine but i do it to myself and i Oh my God, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? And then I raise my heart rate higher. And then, you know, this and the other thing. And then I do cause problems for myself. So uh, that's, that's the biggest benefit of having a dog with me is, is the, the, I have medications, you know, on the, on the extreme end, I have medications that I can take to drop blood pressure and then heart rate quickly if needed. Um, I try not to take them. One, I don't want to be relying on them and, and you know, uh, pride stuff i just want to do it myself and i can i can fix this i can do it myself kind of mentality and i usually can don't get me wrong um but I, there's things in place that i can take before it gets to the park because if my heart rate gets too high and gets too out of whack and, and a a uh, arrhythmia gets too too wild in my heart the pacemaker and defibrillator will take over so the pacemaker is no big deal it'll kind of pace me like you know in an electronic or machine fashion to where i need to be or should be the this terrifyingly scary side of me, and I've had this since day one, is the defibrillator going off because that is the paddles that you see shock somebody on all the TV shows. But an internal one that I have, like I have, and, and many people have, is, is a lead screwed directly into my heart and the heart muscle. So all that energy that you see somebody get shocked with in you know, TV shows and movies where it causes their body to jump and bounce, 
I get that, but it's direct wired into my heart internally. So it feels like a Mack truck hitting you and just absolutely shocking your whole body when it goes off. And it's absolutely horrible. <laughs> I was at sniper training and I was running the qualification course and that involves a good bit of running with your rifle and sprinting and getting your heart rate up to, to shoot and stuff with an elevated heart rate. <clears throat> uh, just for the, the training that, that the uh, certifications that you have to do for it. So I was out doing that because, um, don't get me wrong, I, I didn't check out of the hospital and go immediately to, to SWAT training. So <laughs> I don't want anybody to think I was completely careless. But I was at the point where, you know, when the doctor said you need to rehab yourself, I did rehab. And then the doctor said, obviously, you need to rehab yourself. You need to build your cardio back up. Uh, because a cardiac arrest essentially is a reset button on your heart and cardiovascular. So you're just kind of back to square one with, you know, your, your, your ability kind of sucks to, to say, you know, to kind of put it in a nutshell of, of what you can do and, you know, running and that kind of thing. So I, I built myself up crawling, walking, stairs, treadmill, incline, treadmill, walking and jogging and running and all, you know, step by step. So anyway, I, I was out doing this and I was out running and, and doing my thing. And I, I don't know, we were out there probably an hour or two of training and uh, everything was fine. I felt fine. And, and they said, uh, okay, Nick, you're up, you know, for this evolution go. So I start chugging along and running and my second or third lap or something up and down the range. I, uh, I don't, I, it doesn't get, it doesn't warn you. There's no notification. There's no buzzing. There's no audio tone or anything like that. When you're going to get shocked, you just get shocked. So I'm running and it, it bam hit me at a full sprint. And it knocked me head over heels. <laughs> so, um, it, you you got to think of it, it. It's an interruption to the muscle in your body, right? So if you think about it, when it goes off, it completely locks and freezes everything in your body. Very, very short. I mean, it's instantaneous that it does it. And then it's instantaneous that it's over. But if you think about running where everything's like this motion and, okay, next I put this foot out and the next this foot. If you interrupt that somewhere in the process, well, my foot didn't go out like it should. I stopped because I was locked up. So I immediately planted face, you know, face down in the ground and, uh, and, and I immediately recognized what was happening. I immediately went into a full blown panic attack because uh, I thought, okay, well, it's been 30 days. This is it. I'm going to die this time. Here we go again. Round two. Um, so I drove my heart rate up through the roof and I got myself shocked again because I drove my heart rate up so high. <laughs> I, uh, I luckily had the wherewithal about me to say, okay, and I don't, I don't know why, I mean, I, I don't know what the reason is, but I had the wherewithal about me to say, okay, I, I'm doing this, I'm causing my heart rate to spike, and it's causing me, obviously, physical pain now <laughs> from the result, so I need to calm down. So I sat in the chair, and I, I had a bunch of my other guys around me from the team, and, you know, they were, they were as panicked as I was, if not more, of what to do and, and how to help, you know, obviously taking care of me, much less anybody else. Um, so they're on the phone doing 911, getting getting uh, help out there. But I, I, I basically just said, everybody calm down. Everybody just stop. I need to breathe. Just woosah. Right? <laughs> and I'd bring it down. And that's what I did. And that's how I ended up controlling it to where I got it back within normal limits to where this thing stopped, stopped zapping me. And I was able to get, uh, you know, paramedics were able to get to me and, and to a hospital and and uh, so there were some medication changes that they did and adjustments they did with, with things for it. Um, and that was, that was it. There was no, um, as far as I'm aware, any long-term damage because of it or anything like that. There very well could be. Um, there's a lot of damage that comes along with a cardiac arrest. 
uh, for whatever reason, you know, heart, heart damage. So, um, you know, I'm sure I have some kind of heart damage to it. It's, it's to be expected. And uh, every time I get shocked, I'm sure it's not great for you. So, it's, you know, it's definitely a thing that happened. Um, I got shocked again a couple of years ago um, because I was outside and I essentially got overheated. Overheating is the number one um, issue that I have for my condition. Uh, heart, heart patients in general, overheating is very bad. Um, your blood or your, excuse me, your heart has to work a lot harder and faster the hotter you get. Anybody. Um, which is why when you go out and, you know, exert yourself in the heat, your, your heart rate and blood pressure is noticeably higher, uh, as opposed to running in the cold where you just have the normal running pains and woes. So that's very normal. Uh, it just becomes intensified when you have somebody that has a heart problem and has already had a cardiac arrest, obviously overheating is not something I need. So dehydration and overheating are my, my two biggest enemies. Um, I have to be very careful with electrolytes and, and making sure I'm hydrated enough, not overhydrated to where it's diluted, but hydrated enough uh, for day-to-day stuff, especially being a cop in Florida wearing 70 pounds of gear and bulletproof vests and, you know, fighting with Joe Schmo and everything else. We talk about this is all electrical and the body and heart muscle is all electrical related. Well, cops carry tasers and um, tasers are electrical. So what happens if I get hung up in wires of a taser? Is that going to short my heart out? Is that going to cause me a problem? <laughs> no. And you ask any doctor, I have no freaking clue. I, I don't even know how a taser works, much less what's going to happen to you. So, well, I guess we'll find out. You know, <laughs> that's kind of how that went. So it, it was constantly weighing on my mind. Uh, I was terrified of what would happen. I eventually did end up getting into a fight with somebody and using a taser, and I got wrapped up in the wires and shocked and blah, blah, blah. And nothing happened. Now, uh, you know, the spoiler alert, I was okay. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but I was. Yeah, so I tested it. You know, I didn't want to get into a fight. I damn sure didn't want to be tasered uh, with 50,000 volts, but it happens. And, uh, so, but, but the, again, the, not the harp on it, but the mental side of that, of worrying about what was going to happen. And then when it did happen, I remember getting, you know, I remember getting wrapped up in the wire and feeling the shocks and all that of the taser. And then I remember like freezing wondering is something going to happen what's next and you know i'm doing i'm feeling my neck am i okay yeah look okay everything looks be fine and terrified now keep in mind i'm not just out for a a sunday stroll when this happens i'm in the middle of fighting with that drunk guy over there who still wants to fight with me and is still not in handcuffs so i still got to deal with that issue (laughs) so um oh yeah back to that so we got to go deal with that now and deal with whatever the call was um, then go back to another fight, and obviously your heart rate and everything is up. So everything was fine. It, it ended up okay. Um, but I was beyond terrified of what was about to happen or what could happen. When you run after somebody's a cop, you usually don't prepare for it. It's not a nice planned event where you stretch out and you get ready to go and put your headphones on. You're usually driving in a car, you know, with your cup of coffee. Oh, it's a great day. This is, oh, my God, we're running. You're out the door and you're running after somebody for whatever reason. So you're a sprint like that which if you're a runner or anybody in the fitness community, that makes your heart rate immediately spike up when you go from sitting to doing nothing to a full out sprint, which is totally normal and it's fine. Um, but again, I do that. And then, you know, 10 seconds after I start running after this, this guy or girl or whatever the situation is, here come the thoughts again. Oh, wait a minute. Am I okay? Can I be doing this? What's good? Is my heart rate too high? So now I'm running, watching him, trying to call out stuff on a radio, watching my heart rate. 
it sucks. <laughs> it's not fun. Um, it's the opposite of a relaxing run. <laughs> um, you know, but, but it, you kind of just go with it. And, and I kind of, I got by it so many years, to be honest with you, by just, it is what it is. You know, um, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in when it's my time, it's my time. And, um, I'm still going to go out and, and do stuff. I'm not just going to, to accept and succumb to, well, I guess life's over at 26. I guess I'm just going to sit here and it was a good run. You know, that, that's not the mentality I took at all. And, um, that, that's still the mentality I have today. And, and just like trying to do different events and swimming and, and anything else, you know, I'm, I'm going to try stuff. Uh, I watch myself very closely. I monitor what I do. I, do I run as fast as I want to? No, you know, because I know there's consequences. So I'll run slower or swim slower or I'll pick and choose days that are cooler, you know, and sit out a run maybe because it's probably not responsible to run today. It's 90 degrees or whatever it is. Um, so, you know, I still do things responsibly, but I don't let it take over and say, well, you're going to stay inside and sit on the couch because that's it. That's your only option. And I, I had a lot of issues immediately post-cardiac arrest. I had issues um, with not sleeping and where that the, the issue lied there is when I would close my eyes and I'd start to nod off to sleep and you kind of, you know, you kind of feel yourself going to sleep and zoning out, you know, like you do every night. Um, I equated that to I'm dying. I, I thought I was going and I, I wasn't, there was absolutely nothing wrong with me. Nothing was happening. My heart rate was lower than it should, you know, than normal nothing at all. But mentally, I just thought, well, I had a cardiac arrest for no reason before. I'm dying. That's what's happening now. So I just could not close my eyes. So what happens? I immediately wake up in a panic, which spikes my heart rate. Now I'm wide awake, and I'm definitely not going to sleep. And I would spend days not sleeping. I would, it would be this repetitive cycle of that for days at a time, which is extremely unhealthy for a, a normal human being with absolutely no problems. And it's tenfold for somebody with heart problems to not sleep and rest. So they eventually put me on medications, which again, I don't like, but I understand why, um, you know, to force me to sleep and sedatives and all that kind of, you know, mild stuff that would just basically overtake me. And if I didn't want to sleep too bad, you're going to fall asleep kind of thing, um, which was absolutely necessary. And then I eventually weaned myself off of them and you know, I was able to, to get by. Um, I ended up uh, retiring when I did because I started having more issues at work more frequently with uh, heart rate and blood pressure stuff. Uh, I started having problems and alerts from my watch um, and the chest monitor that I was wearing at the times. I started having alerts for high heart rate and things when uh, I was doing nothing. So sitting in my car, uh, typing a report or, or sitting in my car doing nothing, you know, just waiting for a call to come out or whatever. I'd just be sitting there hanging out and this thing would go off saying your heart rate's one your heart rate's been 115 for 10 minutes or longer or something like that which is absolutely not correct for anybody you know there's a couple instances where it was real high and i had to go to the hospital to the er and let them actually check me on a monitor and make sure everything's actually okay or i had to have paramedics come out you know our firefighters and SWAT medics and all that that worked around the city were very very good to us and uh, there'd be times where I, I worked overnight and midnight's a lot of, sh a lot of times. So there'd be times where um, I'd have to either go by the fire station or something and, and wake them up and say, Hey Matt, can you, can you hook me up to a monitor real quick and just make sure I, I feel weird. Something's going on. My heart rate's high. Can you make sure my heart's good? And they would do that. And that's just not the right way to work in that job. Right. At any given time, like I said, they can call you and say, this is going on. I need you now. 
And I can't be in a position to say, hold on, I'm getting my heart checked. I'll be there in five. So now that you're retired from being a police officer, what kind of goals have you set for yourself? The thing I kind of set my sights on now is um, to compete in a, a, a triathlon. Um, and I was, I was looking for the smallest triathlon, the shortest triathlon that I could get into because I've never done it before. And um, quite frankly, I don't know that I can. Um, I, I know individually that I can do all the, you know, the three areas of a triathlon. And I, I said, no, why not? I haven't done it. Let's try No pun intended. And, um, you know, so, so I started looking around and, uh, you know, I, there's no shortage of, of any length triathlon around, around the country in any state and all that. So that wasn't a problem where the, the issue came in for me or where, where it became a little clouded was, I have Freddie and I wanted to do it with Freddie, A, for uh, my own safety. Um, you know, I, I, I do everything. I run, walk, jog, bike. I, I do everything outside, hike a mountain, go on a paddleboard with him because of what he provides for me. So I, I, I try to keep him with me. The only thing he, he wasn't with me for before is work. And now the work's out of the question. Now he's with me. So as he sleeps away over here. Um, <laughs> So, so that was the, the, the issue that I was running into is finding an event that I could um, take him for uh, again, not to, not to ruffle any feathers or anger anybody, but I, I, I'm not the personality that I was going to push it. Well, he's my service dog. You have no choice. You have to let me take him. Could I? Yeah. Am I going to do that? No, I'm just, it's just not my personality. Do I, do I have an issue with somebody doing that? No, not at all. If you require your depend on your dog, then by all means, you take your dog everywhere you go. Um, you know, but for something like this, where it's, I'm, I'm volunteering, so to say, to do this event or whatever, you know, swim it is run. Um, I, not that anybody gave me any issues whatsoever on it, but I, I just didn't even want to, to push that or, or create an issue with trying to get into that with somebody, you know, the, the different race directors and organizers have their reasons, um, that, that they don't want to you know, incorporate that. And I understand it. Um, that that's totally fine. I'm not trying to make anybody's life harder or anything like that. So, you know, I just moved on. Um, so I started kind of narrowing my search into something that I could do with a dog, be it a service dog or not, you know, just as a, as a canine companion. And a lot of stuff came up in Europe. It's popular over there. <clears throat> um, there's, there's a lot of different events and it, it seems like it's more of a thing over there for, for whatever reason. I, Quite honestly, didn't look into it enough to know why the difference, but um, that's what I was seeing. So I actually contemplated for a while, well, should I fly to Europe and do something over there? Um, I mean, I like Europe. I, <laughs> I like some of the places over there. I got friends over there, so maybe I'll take the dog over to Europe. Um, so I, I did truthfully look into that, and I was considering it. And somehow or other, and I, I don't, I really don't know exactly the, the path, but somehow or other, I ended up on Leon's, uh, Leon's triathlon, and um and, or, or one of the events related to Leon's events. Um, and I, I got linked to it through Facebook or, or, you know, found a link on Facebook for it. And I started kind of poking around a little bit. And then I saw that it was an event with the dogs. And I got to a YouTube video, which was you talking and explaining the, you know, um, your, your experience and what the event was and the kind of thing. So, I, um, you know, I watched that and, and, um, I said, well, damn, that's kind of exactly what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a short distance, not quite full tri, you know, not quite full triathlon that I can do with my dog. And, uh, <laughs> buddy, we don't bark at your sister. Hey, over here. 
now UPS is here. So now the Frenchie's barking at UPS and now Freddie's barking at the Frenchie. <laughs> yeah, thank you guys for perfect. This is helping. <laughs> it's all right, buddy. It's okay. Um, so anyway, you know, so you, you, uh, or the, that, so the vet you were talking about in your, your video that I that I'm watching on YouTube checks all the boxes of what I'm looking for. So great. Um, I don't even have to argue this or, or you know, not argue, but I don't even have to debate this with them. Okay. Can I bring my dog here? Uh, you can, it's advertised that way. So that's how I got, um, that's how I got on, on Leon specifically. And that's why I want to do this as a sidebar to that looking into it more and um you know I, I reached out and leon contacted me right away and we've had several conversations since about uh, me and the event and his organization as a sidebar to to it being what i'm looking for what i was searching for uh the 40-year history and he is so focused on military vets or, or military i shouldn't say but just military um personnel and uh, first responders and that kind of thing very very patriotic very usa um, you know, that kind of thing, especially in the military vet side or the disabled vets or, um, you know, first responders, some kind of disability or something. Uh, I don't like it, but I, I guess I fit into that category now as you know, with the disabling conditions. So, um, you know, that, that I'm, I want to support that very much. Uh, I want to bring any awareness I can, you know, I'm, I'm not the guy that stands on a podium and rah, rah, rahs, but if I can bring support to that and shed some light on it, you know, I, I'm all for it. And if I can support and be a part of an organization like Leon's that's so patriotic and so, you know, hometown USA and supporting all the, all these folks that I just said, yeah, that's better than just doing a random one in the middle of, you know, nowhere in Nevada. That's just another race that they're just, here's the registration fee, come out and run. I mean, is that fine? Yeah. Is it exciting? No, not really. I'd rather support this. And then, you know, Leon's principle here, um, and again, that that's the sidebar to the dog thing. That the the dog side of it is is the paramount point for me of, of what really made me hone in on this. I just found out about the patriotic side after finding the dog side of it. Nick also shared how Freddie carries medicine for him when he's out on a jog. And if Nick were to suddenly collapse and have a cardiac episode, Freddie would bark, alerting those nearby, and hopefully get help there quickly. Uh, he, he's trained to the lean in where he'll he'll lean the body weight on you and and make his presence known um even even sleep in or you know if, if i have a lot of issues at night with sleeping related or going to sleep I, for some reason that's when a lot of my heart issues kick up i, I don't know why but um he's real good about nope it's time to respond to that he'll get up if he's not next to me he'll get up in bed with me and he'll he'll uh you know, move my arm or he'll, he'll make sure he, he puts himself underneath my arm and across my chest and makes it very well known that, uh, you know, now I'm here because I'm responding to whatever. He's a Dutch shepherd. Um, Dutchies are extremely high energy and very driven animals by their nature, uh, regardless of whatever training you want to do with them. Um, so he likes anything where he can be active and outdoors. Uh, he loves hiking. Um, he loves just a, he loves anything outdoors from a slow walk or, you know around the neighborhood to a run um and i had to i kind of had to build up his running for distance wise and endurance but he loves to go out and run um, he's chomping i know he's chomping at the bit now to go out and do it um he will chase a ball or uh you know as long as i'll throw it until my shoulder is sore uh, he loves pieces of broken tree sticks he'll, he'll carry a stick around he loves retrieving sticks from the woods and bringing it to you and his proud moment to show you what it is. 
Um, he, he will go, the, the, the dog will go until I can no longer stand if I, if I let him. He is nonstop. Uh, so he needs absolutely, you know, it's a responsibility on my part of, of owning this type of animal or this type of dog, regardless of the service side of him. It's absolutely a responsibility to to make sure he gets that outlet outside and, and running around and stuff. Um, I've I've taken him out for walks and thrown a ball when I felt like absolute garbage because because I know the consequence of uh, you know I know he's not destructive or anything like that. It, you know, it's not like he'll he'll be a bad dog so to say if he's not out. But I feel terrible for him when he's cooped up all day. I know you know he's not a Yorkie. I've had Yorkies. That's not what he is. All he knows is, why don't I get to go out? This isn't fair. If, uh, if we're out on a hike and I start having, uh, you know, if I start lagging behind, having difficulties where he's walking his normal pace, if he feels the backwards, uh, the backward pull or tension on his lead, it usually makes him pull me. So he'll, he'll put a little more effort into it and give me the pull. Because it, the thing I struggle with the most cardio-wise is inclines and hills and, and stairs. So anything like that immediately gives me a hard time. I can do it, but I'm almost guaranteed if we're climbing up a steep part of a mountain, I'm almost guaranteed to have to stop and catch my breath. And, and uh, he's pretty good on inclines. He, he doesn't really do it on flat surfaces. Um, I, I don't really need him to, but he, he doesn't really seem to equate that it's usually an incline and it's the backward tension on the lead that he knows okay i need to drive is there anything else you would like to add to close this out no just be just because you have some kind of issue and this isn't this isn't related this isn't strictly focused on cardiac related issues it's anything it's you know an amputee or 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 i mean you fill in the blank whatever kind of hiccup you have um it could be you you had covid back to back two times and now you're just you know trying to get back on your feet and all that. A lot of people I've seen it in life experience and I've absolutely had a front row ticket to it and as being a cop and responding to it. You know, if if you look at it, well, I had a heart attack on Tuesday. Why can't I run? It's already Saturday. Well, that's not realistic. You can't let that get you down and depressed about it. You need to realize that it's going to take time. I mean, it's taken years for me to get to the point that I can function again in an athletic capacity, in any athletic capacity at all. And I'm certainly not running any races in any kind of competitive speeds or times. And that's, you know, it's just not where I'm at. And that's fine. I'm just very thankful and happy that I am no longer laying in ICU and I'm able to get out and move around. It's fantastic that I happen to do it with my friend, the dog, but it has nothing to do with the fact of, of somebody getting up and coming back from some, you know, adversity or setback or something like that. I had my, you know, I, I absolutely had my, um, the mental setback, like we said, and where I was just on the floor and thinking, that's it, my life's over. And it, luckily for me, I was able to quickly come out of it and say, no, that's not right. I'm not going to, I'm not going to end my life at 26 years old, figuratively speaking. I'm not just going to end me doing things at 26 years old. Um, I want to get better. And if I can, I'm going to. So I guess I'll start walking. And if that means I can only walk to the mailbox and back, then that's what I'll do today. Um, and maybe by the end of next month, I'll be able to walk to the driveway, you know, whatever. So it's, I'm hoping that I can at least get through to at least one person. Thank you for joining us. Until next time on Finish Line Canines.